You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. We're in Houston talking to thought leaders in the space, and we have Julie Ferguson from the Ryan Companies. You are the senior vice president of senior living markets there. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's great to meet you. Um, we have a lot to talk about there as um, over the past two years, there's been a number of things that have happened in the marketplace when it comes to development um, and senior housing. Um, and you have been on the front lines of that. Uh, tell us, first of all, um, a little bit about Ryan Companies. Um, it's not a small mom and pop. It's a pretty big entity. It is a pretty big entity. Uh, so we're an 85-year-old company that started out purely as a construction company. And today we're a full-service real estate development company with uh, investments, development, continue to have that construction piece as well, which uh, certainly helps me with my platform. And we really, um, as a full service organization, one of our best qualities is we do cover it all. So we do everything from the site uh, selection, we do all the market analytics on the senior living side, we have an A&E team that does all the design, we do the construction, and then we've got a full uh, capital markets team and asset management team that helps us uh, really get the project uh, from beginning to end. The one thing we don't do is operations, and so we do partner with numerous operators across the country that handle the operating side of our business. Absolutely, so a lot of experience in your belt when it comes to this. Um, you know, there's, uh, I imagine, uh, different verticals that the Ryan companies uh, are involved in. Um, you're uh, the leader in seniors housing. What has attracted you to senior housing and what's kept you? Yes, uh, so you are correct. We have lots of verticals at Ryan. We have industrial, multifamily, healthcare, uh, some build to suit office. And uh, so that uh, senior living is one piece of the strategy for Ryan companies. And about 10 years ago, uh, they really decided it was a significant strategy. It was a, a, a sector that they believed in. The data, obviously, that's why we're all here at NIC. Demographics. Uh, so demographics <laughs> tells us that we are, we are in this business for a reason and that there's a long-term uh, piece of it and for Ryan companies they just uh, really decided it was it was one of the things they strategically wanted to look at. I've been in this business for over 25 years. I started my career right out of college at the Fountains which is now Watermark so with David Freshwater and David Barnes. Okay. I was a financial and market analyst and at the time uh, we were acquiring projects uh, all over the country and because we were a small company, I got the benefit of seeing everything from the analytics piece to the due diligence, to the operations, to the operating budgets, to really understanding everything that, that goes into um, the success of a retirement community. And probably at the time didn't appreciate the education I was getting uh, on the, the full aspect of it. And today it certainly serves me well. Didn't know anything about the business coming right out of college. I needed a job, right? And uh, as I was in the business and really learned and, and experienced and met all the residents, the communities that we were buying and got to be friends and got to understand how we were positively impacting their lives. It was, it was a business that was just incredibly compelling. It's an incredibly difficult business as complicated. everybody would tell you. And I think um, that's also what keeps me in the business. Uh, 
I don't know, maybe that says something about me, but I appreciate some of the challenges of, of having to manage the the building, the, the building aspect, the uh, hospitality aspect, the licensing aspect, the healthcare aspect that all goes, all goes into it. Um, and then I, uh, at the fountains, I moved into the development side to really learn the development uh, side of the business and on the job, which was a great way to learn it. And thankfully they trusted me to do that. I did get out of the business for a few years. I went and did some other stuff, um, just worked better with family life and kept getting drawn back into it. And so uh, about 10 years ago, really got back into it uh, and ran a, a, a with, for a company, Titan Development, ran their senior platform, which then thankfully brought me to Ryan Companies in December of 2019 and Great had timing. a really exciting five-year growth plan strategy that we were going to implement. <laughs> and let's just say that plan changed in March of 2020. But uh, it's, it, uh, we, we currently have 20 uh, projects that are open and uh, another six that are under construction right now. Okay, so talking about challenges, uh, you talk to operators and owners and private equity companies that are looking to develop every single day. What are some of the big challenges, problems, and questions that they're saying, Julie, I need help with? Yep. Uh, so that is my, my job. I always say when I don't hear things, they're going really well. And when I always get the problems that land on my desk, which is, which is truly my job is to help, help solve those problems. Uh, you know, starting really at the very beginning from the, um, construction and, and well, and the site identification side is the easy stuff's been done. And so my development teams are really challenged with finding, the sites that uh, we can afford and multifamilies not coming in and outbidding us and really uh, finding community, find, finding locations that still need senior living in the short term, sure. certainly in the, in the long term, the demographics are there. And so we've really had to pivot from a more suburban model of uh, development. Uh, we're doing a lot more infill work today, teardowns of existing buildings. Yeah. And, uh, and, and replacing existing structures with, with new senior living projects. And, and those take, take more time. Sometimes they cost more money and uh, are a little tougher to get done. And so we've, we've had to shift a little bit uh, just in our thinking and how, how we're going after strategy-wise and, and really expanding uh, where we're willing to, to develop projects. On the operator side, same same issue that everybody's having uh, related to uh, just attracting labor, dealing with the burnout factor, and certainly wages are are rate are, are increasing uh, for certain positions at an unprecedented rate. Sure. And I think the biggest thing that we can offer to our operators, because we have numerous operators, we especially during COVID did a great job of getting those groups together on a regular basis and talking about how are you how are you managing that and how are you handling this and oh that's a great idea and i'm going to try that and and share, sharing those ideas freely um and uh having having the opportunity to really just how look at someone how someone else is, might be might be handling something and i think there's a lot there's also a lot of uh commiserating that can go on with that to make people feel better that they know they're they're not alone and, and they're being supported. And I think that was one of the things that Brian companies uh, could do is support our operators and let them know that 
we have the patients, we understand, we get it, what can we do to help? Um, you know, our asset management team, when our uh, two of our operators had a really hard time finding PPE early on, and so I made a bunch of calls and managed yeah. to get together several operators who then we were able to place a really big order, um, you know, a PPE that we individually, none of us could have done, but as a group, mm-hmm. we, were, we were able to get done. And I think our operators just appreciated that they could call us about that when that's not really what we do, mm-hmm. uh, but knowing that we had the resources and the contacts to be able to do that. Um, so today the conversation has switched from acquiring PPE to what's the price of labor? What is the supply chain like? Um, you know, how long do we need to put the project on hold? What, to talk to us about some of those elements. Yep, absolutely. And I, what the construction pricing has been for us, the biggest challenge is its volatility. And so we, you know, no one's naive to think that, oh, construction prices stay the same forever, but we were able to accurately predict within reason where those those uh, costs were headed. And so therefore able to, uh, you know, get, get projects rolling and say, okay, six months from now, we know what this is going to cost. Today, the issue is, is we don't even know what it's going to cost next week. And, and that's really been the biggest challenge for us. Or if it's available. Or if we can even get it once we sign that, sign that contract. And so the great news of being part of a company as big as Ryan Companies that does uh, work all over the country is we, we have a lot of relationships and a lot of contacts that we, we can um, utilize to in certain markets, uh, certainly to move to the top of the list or lock in a price that maybe uh, some other smaller contractors that or some other groups that maybe aren't doing six projects sure. in that one market they might not all be senior living but we're doing six projects in that market uh, that we get a you know we do get the advantage of having having that um, piece of it that being said it's still been tremendously difficult uh, yeah. to get to get that tied up supply chain is probably the bigger issue because uh, it just your schedule the, the minute you, you get out of whack and out of sequence on your schedule, certainly it, it impacts a whole bunch of other stuff. And that's, that's been, that's harder because no one can control the thousands of ships that have been sitting in the oceans uh, trying to get unloaded and, and there's nothing anybody can do about that regardless of who you know or, uh, <laughs> or how long you've had a relationship with somebody. So we've really uh, taken the approach of um, early buying on projects uh, the minute that we've got the equity tied up and the debt, uh, we, we start letting contracts and start placing orders and we'll take that, that some of that risk yeah. on materials uh, simply to, to maintain our schedules. Um, so the other uh, thing is, you know, from a procurement perspective, Ryan Companies has created a procurement department over the last couple years. And again, the job he thought he probably was doing ended up being a little different uh, given yeah. commodities pricing the last, uh, last couple years. Uh, but again, we're, we're in it for the long haul, and so we've got to figure out how do we solve the, the issues for the long term. We've spent some time the past 18 months really evaluating modular construction and okay. can it work for senior living and mm-hmm. what does that look like. And we've, we've completed a couple of case studies on projects that we've traditionally designed and then flipped them over to the modular uh, groups and said, what would, this, what would this building have to look like? Yeah. In order to achieve the schedule improvement and the cost improvement, uh, what what do we lose? Do we lose some of our common space? Do we lose uh, having eight unit types? And now we can only have six unit types. What, yeah. are, what are the trade-offs? And what we've uh, 
what we've discovered is I don't think it's ready for senior living yet. So okay. we're doing some test cases on our multifamily platform right now and okay. let them work out some of the kinks. Interesting. But it, I would say, you know, we, we discovered it's probably 70% the same project and 30% we, we sort of have to figure out. Um, but that, that, again, for us is a long-term view of how do we keep doing this in this incredibly challenging environment. Well, um, that definitely lends to uh, the next piece of the conversation is where is the future of senior housing development going? Obviously, you've talked about the modular and that maybe we're not there just yet. Um, what are some other trends now kind of coming out of this fog? We've talked about supply chain issues, but let's say I'm an operator right now and I'm saying, look, I want to develop this property. I'm ready to go. What, what do I need to be doing? Yeah. Um, certainly, the, all of these challenges in the in the near term is leading us to um, the higher the higher end uh, work. It, it's easier to get done when you can when you can charge higher rents, which is really leading us to a lot of more urban and infill projects than we have in the past okay. uh, historically. The other piece that we have, uh, one of our operators uh, called Grand Living Management, and their entire platform is based on a true age-in-place model. So if you move into an independent living apartment and you need care, you can stay in that apartment until you need memory care or more care than, than we can provide. We've discovered, uh, we've built that in several very crowded markets where we've struggled to get equity because equity partners have said, mm, too many, too many competing units. And we've been incredibly successful. I think what it offers is a product that um, isn't readily available. There's certainly a handful of people are doing it, but this is all they do, and they've really figured out how to do it. We're able to charge premium for that, and so it makes it a little bit easier uh, from, from growth for that from that perspective. I think what I tell all of my operators is, and I remind them constantly, they already know this. Uh, certainly not telling them they didn't something they didn't already know. We have to be incredibly flexible about um, unit sizes, amenities, services, how we're delivering the product. And I think our industry has done a great job of building product. We haven't done a great job of diversifying our product. And why would we think when we're all 85 years old, we suddenly want to all live in the same type of community when we haven't wanted to do that for the past you know, 84 years of our lives? And I think that's the one thing um, that we, we need to recognize. There's different product types that are going to come out of certainly the pandemic, uh, certainly other, other factors um, of how people want to live, economic conditions, uh, this, the fact that this, you know, this middle market piece is real. Yeah. And, and that's you know, part of the reason we're trying to figure out, can we deliver something faster, less expensive? Because we know there's a market for that and we've got to figure out how we incorporate that into our strategy in order to continue building and be successful. And so I would incur, you know, I certainly encourage all my operators is just because that's the way we did it two years ago doesn't mean that's how we have to do it this year. And let's talk about it when we sit down and talk about the pro forma. Let's talk about different dining programs or venues or let's peel out those services in this particular market because there's a reason to think that that might be what this market needs. And so I think, uh, you know, we definitely need to listen to our consumers more and we need to be paying attention to what, what they're doing and how they're, they're having services delivered. You know, this whole technology piece, Amazon and their Echo and, uh, you know, Walgreens is now getting into business, Best Buy has, has bought a whole bunch of the technology pieces. 
that's that's going to be a bigger component. And um, again, our population today hasn't leaned into technology as much as the next uh, set of population will. But I think uh, as an industry, we, we certainly have to figure out how does that get incorporated? Mm -hmm. And does it change the design? Does it change the size of the apartment? I don't know that it has an impact on the physical built environment. Maybe it only impacts uh, programming, but maybe not. Maybe there's something else there that, that we need to be paying attention to. So I think we've, we've all got to make sure our heads are up and we're paying attention to, to what's happening around us. So uh, rounding out the conversation, let's talk about design uh, for a minute. What, um, you know, it, what's the modern approach? What's the new design? Um, has COVID impacted that? Are they building differently as far as even the MEP or our physical plant? Um, you know, what are you seeing in those categories? Yeah, and certainly for 12 months, it's all anybody talked about and right. what are we going to do and how are we going to fix this and how are we going to make it better? What we discovered is we were already doing a lot of things that uh, in, improved air quality or had a lot of the standards that people were talking about. We just never talked about it because no one cared. Right. So after we went and made a... <laughs> now everybody Now really everybody... Cares. Suddenly it's a marketing sheet in my brochure. I mean, who wants to talk about MEP? Nobody, as far as I know. Right. Uh, so what we discovered is we, we went and did an inventory of, of what do we have and are there... Are there easy fixes and shifts and just changing the filters that we use or putting another air exchange in? Uh, but really what we discovered is we were, we were providing a pretty high level of, of, of air quality and airflow and, and air exchange uh, in our buildings. We just, again, we never talked about it. Yeah. And so, you know, I think certainly we as an industry spent a lot of time talking about it, figuring out what's the right reaction instead of the overreaction. As you know, development takes 24 months. So let's pretend that all of us started building 50 projects last year at this time to meet the COVID standards. They're not opening for, you know, for another <laughs> year. And does anybody care anymore, right? So the over, you know, we, we really, we try to really look at it with our operators to not overreact and to do the things that uh, we, we could certainly talk about. You know, we can't afford to triple the size of our dining rooms. That's just unrealistic. Sure. And I think what we really came out of it was flexibility of space and how do you turn the activities room into another dining space easily and readily and make it easy for everybody to execute to that. Um, how do you create a back of house for your employees where people can take their shower before and after break when maybe you didn't design that into your, your building originally and can you take a unit, we, you know, a lot of times we took an apartment, repurposed it and yeah. did the thing. So it really, I think, came down to flexibility and we spent, we spent a lot of time, we had several focus groups with operators we work with and then my industry friends, really talking to people about what do they want to see. And the, the one thing was air quality and the second thing was really about flexibility of space yeah. and how do we build things that we can, we can use them for multiple things because we, we know we have to be flexible in today's world. And those are problems mm -hmm. that are easily solved through design. Correct, <laughs> yes. Well, very, very good. I think that um, for myself, I'm very optimistic. Are you optimistic about the future of senior housing? I am very optimistic about the future of senior housing, and I think as we learn more about, uh, you know, the studies that Nick is doing about how how did communities do, how did our residents do, we didn't, you know, every we were pretty much, uh, you know, on on par with people who either, uh, you know, didn't live there and people were just as safe, and I think that's an important message that we have to make sure the the world knows. 
uh, in order to continue um, you know, with, with uh, senior housing. But again, it's, it's a need and the population is not going anywhere. It's coming and I'm incredibly optimistic about it. But again, I think we just as an industry have to realize one size doesn't fit all and we have to, we have to flex our products and our communities to meet the needs of the future generations. And I think, again, we just have to be paying attention to what are they telling us and what do they want to see. Julie Ferguson of the Ryan Companies, great topic on thought leadership in this category. Thank you for coming and spending time with us here on Bridge the Gap today. My pleasure, thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you were informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.